Everybody and welcome to another episode of Podden Ain't Easy. We're back with uh, our latest facts of episodes of the Bad Facts series on Disney Plus. Personally, we're making our way through. We had four episodes last time, episodes two through five. Now we're actually going to break it down to three episodes going forward. So we're here to cover episodes six, seven, and eight, and so that when we get to the end and uh, the final, two, we'll be able to do the final two episodes, the two-part finale. Uh, as one, so we've kind of reformatted how we're working through these this series. But you know, we've got a lot to talk about, not just the episodes, but with some announcements that were made outside of uh, Star Wars for DC. And to help me break it all down is the eagerly to my peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> really hope people have watched the peacemaker trailer. Otherwise, that reference is lost. Uh, it's Carl Pierce. <laughs> Hello, yeah, good job. I watched it just yesterday, actually, so <laughs> unfortunately I understood that. <laughs> I mean, Baldy, you got some majestic birds to be honoured. It's one of the better references I've made for you. But but just to be clear, I will never hug you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and I I do not care for Louie as much as Peacemaker. I will not eat a beach full of dicks. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more Liam's department. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'd be the expert on it. Something we didn't get a cover on, No Rogues Bard, unfortunately. Maybe, maybe in the future, No Rogues Bard After Dark. <laughs> hey, that sounds like a great concept, actually. <laughs> uh, but as I was saying, uh, Carl, before we get into everything that's going on, how are you? Uh, anything going on with you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, no, nothing super exciting, really. Just... Watching Manchester United lose more matches and and work really. That's pretty much it at the moment. I, yeah, the spectacularly interesting life that I lead. Yeah. How, and how about yourself, Scott? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, you know, still still plugging away at this thing we call podcasting. Uh, I got my work and everything. Uh, I went to go see Venom. Let there be carnage at the weekend. Uh, missed, missed the opening couple of minutes because my brother was late and he had the tickets on his phone. <laughs> like he was running late on the bus, which I, which I kind of forget, even though it was quite frustrating. And then he comes out. We're sitting in the cinema. He's got we're, we've got our snacks and everything. Then I hear some rustling, and I look over and I see a packet, a thing shaped like a Greg's bag. I'm like, what is that? On the way, on his way down, he apparently had not eaten. He stopped for a fucking Greg's. So I turned around <laughs> in the middle of Venom, in the middle of a. In the middle of the cinema, I'm trying to my brother's eating a steak bake. <laughs> <laughs> and I just gave him this look at this, like, did you, you were running late and you still stopped for a fucking steak bake, yeah, bastard. But other than that, yeah, it was a, I enjoyed myself, it was a good film. I know you probably haven't had a chance to watch it, but I would recommend it. All right, fair enough, because the, the reviews haven't been uh, too great for it, but I've heard it's relatively short, so, yeah, that's that's always good, because films tend to be over long these days, so it's been quite nice to have, like, a a 90-minute film for a change, so I might check it out when it becomes available on uh, uh, digital. Yeah. My brother didn't actually watch the original then on the first one uh, to, like, a week or so ago, and he was even struggling to find it. I don't know. All of a sudden, it became hard to find on mostly digital platforms, mainly because I'm assuming because uh, they were bringing it a sequel that he reached out to watch. I told him he probably, should, probably didn't need to watch the, the first one. It's like, I know it's a sequel, but I think you'll really properly pick up what the premise of Venom is. Yeah, it's pretty much, you know, what you know Venom to be. I think there's like a little, wasn't there a little bit of a, after credits teaser or something with Woody Harrelson or something wasn't there to sort yeah. of follow to sort of follow up into the um, sequel. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm quite. Uh, yeah, I'll probably give it a watch one of these days. I must admit, I've not watched the original yet either. But I've seen enough clips and and stuff on it to know I probably wouldn't like it that much, to be honest. But yeah, if anyone hasn't seen uh, Venom Let the Be Card, I do recommend going and see it and do stay for the the mid credit scene. It'll be worth your time. <laughs> but what also looks like it might be worth our time, Carl, coming in 2022, especially as a uh, DC. We don't get to talk a lot about DC. I mean, we, we talked about it in the Loki finale, not very positively. We can blame Sam for that. But, you know, it, it seems like DC are making real strides to kind of turn things you know, around after the whole mess of the, the Snyderverse and everything. And we had DC Fandom, which, you know, we had that last year where we got, you know, the first like look at Rob Pattinson's Batman last year, despite the film only being 25% done at that time, and it still looked great. And so... We got looks for a couple of different things. I'll just run down some stuff that we've seen. And girl, you can mention anything that you particularly want to talk about. Uh, we got the trailer for the John Cena HBO Max uh, led Peacemaker TV series. It will be premiering on HBO Max on January thirteenth, twenty twenty two. I don't know where it's how it's going to be available internationally, and they haven't said if it's before or after Suicide Squad. But it will still be directed and headed up by James Gunn. Uh, Rob Pattinson's Batman that I mentioned, March 4th, 2022 is the planned date for that. Uh, the Rocks uh, film Black Adam, uh, July 29th, 2022 is going to be an origin film for, for that character. Uh, the Flash, which is maybe kind of inspired by the Flashpoint storyline, which I think is meant to then it's a re, redo the whole, be used to kind of cause everybody to forget everything that came before and then they'll start fresh and the rebrand of the cinematic you know dc universe starts with this flash movie on the 4th of november 2022 uh, aquaman and the lost kingdom sorry and jason moe coming back as aquaman december 16th 2022 and also in 2023 the only real update we got movie wise was a sequel to shazam a uh, fury of the gods and uh, june 2nd 2023 and uh, i didn't know until i saw the kind of behind the scenes thing helen Mirren is on board as one of the villains so that's <laughs> interesting <laughs> All right, I didn't. Um, I, I heard about Shazam, but I didn't realize it was that far off. Um, twenty twenty three. I was assuming that would be uh, sometime next year. So that's still uh, a fair way off than that one. Yeah, I think like most people, I think the one I'm most interested in really is um, the the Batman film. To be honest, it, I mean, look at the trailer. It it looks really good it really does look quite epic to be honest yeah because i think a lot of criticism of uh, the dc kind of universe so far is kind of like the dark overly dark tones the kind of brooding nature of like all the characters but you know like, i think mainly because that's the thing that works for batman but applying it to other superheroes doesn't work as well so you know the tone here i think really sits it's a very much uh I think they're kind of there are elements of the Nolan kind of films with kind of the grittiness, the uh, kind of almost detective nature that Batman's kind of like is uh, Paul Dano playing the main antagonist, uh, the Riddler in this film. So it's nice to see the Riddler get a proper focus in a Batman film for the first time since way back when Jim Carrey played him. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a more gritty and um, sort of. Um, maniacal, not maniacal, but a more gritty, a more gritty riddle than what Jim Carrey played. It looks like he's going to be quite, yeah, more dangerous. That was a word I was looking for. And it suddenly went out of my head for, <laughs> for reasons. Um, so yeah, quite, I quite like, um, from what I've seen in the trailers, what, what they're going to be doing with the, the riddler and um, quite, quite an interesting opening for the trailer because he, he seems he gets arrested. In, a, in in the opening of the trailer, so that's uh, quite intriguing. Mm-hmm. And also, got to say, um, Colin Farrell is completely unrecognisable as uh, Penguin or Os- 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 Oswald's couple part. I mean, if I didn't know it was him, I wouldn't know if that makes any sense at all. He looks nothing like Colin Farrell with all that makeup and prosthetics and he sounds nothing like him either. I mean, they may as well have just cast an American actor to betray him, to be honest. Yeah. It was very, I remember hearing at the time of like ages ago when they announced Colin Farrell was I mean, Colin Farrell can play a bad guy, we can do it and like, he's done like turns where he kind of 
he is a naturally good looking guy, but he can make his cell look like very weird. Like remember he had that weird tear doing kind of part ball cap for horrible bosses and that, but then this is taking it to another level, like you said, uh, you could have told me anybody was under all of that prosthetic and like you, I would have probably believed you because it doesn't look like him. From the brief clips we saw, he's kind of got this kind of New York gangster kind of look for the penguin at the minute, basically the way he talks. And the, and uh, I didn't realise, maybe I missed the announcement, but Andy Serkis popping up as uh, as Alfred. I mean, I'm not against it. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I knew about that from, from the beginning. I heard about his casting. He is a good actor in the right, you know, in the right film. So, um yeah, didn't he? Coincidentally, didn't he uh, direct Venom that mm-hmm. the Carnage? Yeah, that's something I didn't know much about. Actually, I didn't realize he he did much directing. But yeah, I know his work as obviously as an actor and the other stop sort of stop motion stuff he's done for things like um, uh, King Kong and Ah um, oh, Smeagol. Yeah, uh, so interesting. Uh, was quite interesting also the connection there because uh, Matt Reeves. Is directing and he's done, I think, I think he did the second and third Planet of the Apes film where he would have worked with Andy Serkis on because he played a Caesar and that. So, again, there's that connection there. And I think Matt Reeves has maybe signed on for multiple kind of band films. So, maybe they want to do a, they want to go all in on this new, like, hopefully, Robert Pattinson version of a Batman. And, you know, I don't hate the Robert Pattinson version so far. I mean, he's, but he looks decent and his role as, as Batman, like, not sure about the scenes where I see him as uh, Moody Bruce Wayne with these kind of shorter length there, but again, I can't really judge it that much from just the clips that we've seen because he, he doesn't talk a lot in this trailer. No, no, but I think post Twilight he's done some good stuff. I thought it was exceptional in Tenant, if anyone's seen that. I mean, it's not a film I could make sense of, but I definitely saw a different side to his acting credentials in that film. So I definitely think. He's got the chops to portray Batman and Bruce Wayne. And also like um, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. That was a good good casting choice as well. Uh, my only concern is that there seems to be quite a lot of villains and film superhero films with a lot of villains do tend to get a bit bogged down. So I hope they've got a good coherent storyline to to give them all a reason for being there. Maybe not all of them will get a huge amount of screen time, perhaps, because it does, as you said, it does look like Riddler's going to be the main antagonist from what I can gather, especially since when they do the um, release year, they've made the twos into question marks, which is quite clever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know what you think about having, like, three main villains, well, well, I'll say, I'll say, because they are bat- main villains for Batman, so I don't know what you think about. Maybe Catwoman will be a bit, um, uh, you know, a bit of an anti-hero, perhaps, as she sometimes is. Yeah, I think she's not really still, I think she's kind of one of those like, anti-heroes, you don't know what her motivations are in the film, and I think Cobblepot will kind of be a background kind of player that Batman kind of comes across He's identical, but the main focus is between him and, and the Riddler. Maybe he just goes to Callbot for info, and maybe Callbot will pop up again in a more featured role in, a, in another uh, Batman film. So I don't think it'll be, hopefully, that overplayed, like, over, like, bloated with, with villains. I think he said, yeah, we've learned from superhero movies in the past that you don't want to just put too many villains in the, in the story. Uh, Looking at the speaking of Batman, though, we've got to have quite a few Batman because uh, well, we're, going, we're moving on with this new version with Robert Pattinson. But the uh, the official ending and last appearance of uh, Ben Affleck in the role of Batman will be as part of Flashpoint, where basically uh, I'm assuming his version of uh, Batman will be written out, and uh, I don't know how they'll then tie that into whatever this Robert Pattinson version is of Batman. But they got that with the Flashpoint movie. We got Ezra, we had Ezra Miller awkwardly saying, "Well, we got this thing. It's technically not a trailer, but it is a trailer." And so they showed you a, a brief bit of footage where we show, you know, him and stuff, Ash and his suit and everything. And and we've also got to have a third Batman, whereas we're going to get the reappearance of a uh, of Michael Keaton and the Batman was an older alternate, maybe universe version of Batman, uh, maybe in the role that usually Thomas Wayne plays in the uh, in the Flashpoint like comic and like animated film. So 
whether or not Michael Keaton's appearing as an old, older or alternate universe version of Bruce Wayne, or if he's just going to pop in as a, the Thomas Wayne role, is remains to be seen because this was barely anything. So you just got kind of footage. You got somebody in the bat kill. You saw them from the bat. You didn't see the face, but the years are very reminiscent of the Michael Keaton Batman suit. So uh, got more Batman than we than we know what to do with. Yeah, more Batman than you can shake a stick at. It'd be quite awesome because as a as an older person, I I quite remember the Michael Keaton Batman films quite quite fondly. Uh, they were released when I was growing up, so that'd be quite interesting to see. And also a bit early for the plugs, but our latest Rogue Chronicles is on Catwoman. So while we're on that subject, I thought <laughs> I'd mention it now. So if you're you know want to learn a bit more about Catwoman. Tune into that, which is already on our feed. Fair enough. You know, you got to get those plugs in. Uh, so yeah, like Flash is an interesting one because you know, that's the one I can't remember who's even directed it now because I think that's one of the films that went through quite a few director changes over the past few years. I'm pretty sure at one point uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were buying the Lego movies, were at one point attached to it, and then they ended up leaving over creative differences. So uh, I'm interested to see what happens because the Flash has really just been a part of like the, the Justice League film and everything like that and I had a real feature role in the, uh, the DC universe so it'll be good to see what Ezra Miller properly does with him because you know he's a very popular you know DC character and we've seen that with like how popular the TV version of The Flash is. Yeah and like if you say and it's going to be somewhat of a reboot then they really do need to get this one right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, as you say, it's been development now for uh, two or three years now, hasn't it? So yeah, hopefully um, by the time it's released, it'll it'll be a really good film, and it'll be interesting to see how you say uh, Michael Keaton's Batman or whatever fits fits into it all. So quite yeah. looking forward to that. And yeah, um, I don't know if I what's the Peacemaker series, but it does look good. I must admit, from the trailer, John Cena does seem to have some really good comic timing uh, mm. for these roles nowadays, doesn't he? Uh, a bit of useless information. I actually um, wrote a bit of a report um, last year when I was still writing for ITR about uh, John Cena's uh, spin-off into the Peacemaker uh, series. So it's nice to Come full circle and uh, comment on it. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, it's, it's interesting where where they're going with this, but you know, it's it's got James Gunn behind it, and he's you know, he's obviously got a very unique take on your superhero movies. We saw that with Suicide Squad, we saw it with the, we seen it with the Guardians films. In fact, he's doing this and still going to be doing Guardians three as well. It's like very interesting. Uh, like I don't really know much about the the cast. Uh, the rest of the cast in it. Uh, I do know we got a brief cameo from uh, Robert Patrick of uh, Terminator 2 fame and other things like that. As uh, Peacemaker is very, uh, I would say, not so loving father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but something I'm very, even though we only got a brief glimpse of it, I'm really excited for Black Adam in July 2022 with The Rock and, you know, Rock has been a part of wanting to do this for a long time. It's one of those, you know, people talk about passion project and that seems to be what it is for The Rock. I think he would say so, like, himself. I think this is kind of almost an origin film for Black Adam as an anti-hero. He's literally a, a villain a villain for Shazam and has a lot of the same, same powers. And so I'm assuming that they'll do this to flush him out and maybe set the seeds for him and Fury of the Gods to appear and then eventually, like how they built King Kong v Godzilla, they'll eventually do Shazam, Black Adam, and the in the one movie, and but it's interesting, like you know, secondary DC characters. You've got Hawkman appearing, and uh, you have a character, a magical character called Doctor Fate, who will be uh, being played by Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 looks quite interesting. It's not a superhero I know much about, really. Only uh, with sort of Rock mentioning it and um, wanting to play the character, but. That trailer does look pretty good. It's like, I don't know, it looks like he's he's been awakened or something from the trailer, and he sort of was like, looks like he turns somebody to dust and then catches a bullet. So he's he's pretty up there. He's pretty high on the superpower list. Yeah, and it feels weird with how how like popular The Rock is in terms of Hollywood and everything, and being part of these major franchises. 
and how much of a box office draw he's appeared to be. Uh, and like for a lot of people, that it's taken this long for him to be in a superhero movie. But I think he wanted to be in one that he was. He felt a character he felt attached, and he clearly is attached to Black Adam. And it's obviously taken a bit of time to get here. Uh, and obviously, like yeah, he has no cons about killing people. So uh, I think the Rock described him as in it here. But I think eventually we'll see him more as a villain uh, if he eventually comes up against Zachary Levi's uh, Shazam. Yeah, that could be quite interesting if uh, if that happens. So. Uh... Yeah, it looks like DC are getting their act together a bit now and hopefully they can um, put their best foot forward and bring out some uh, in- entertaining films. Yeah, because they've got a-, a lot of the other aspects that they do are, you know, are still... Because uh, a lot of other things they tend to do in terms of like, TV shows, like you're saying that The Flash and everything like that, you know, they're still like plugging away and they're still doing, delivering on, you know, apparently Supergirl's now wrapping up after its most recent season uh, they're doing a show about show about Superman and Lewis that they just started recently, and that's uh, doing very well. And that's got another season. They're bringing out a game made by the developers of uh, of the Arkham games called Gotham Knights, which will focus on uh, the kind of extended Bat family of Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and uh, Robin. It'll come out next year at some point. Uh, and also, there's an Aquaman sequel. I didn't ask for one, but we're apparently we're getting it. <laughs> Wasn't the biggest fan of the Jason Momoa Aquaman solo film, so can't say I'm not anticipating this. Was it Jimmy who really liked it? I know one one of you was really arguing for it when you did your DC um, list. I can't remember who it was now, though. I think Nathan uh, Jimmy liked it. Nathan maybe kind of liked it, but then kept mentioning like we put film to four under the sea and kept just bringing that up and. Really annoying me, and so he and Jimmy <laughs> ganked up on me. They bullied me on that show, and then until Jimmy finally saw sense when we got to the semis and realised we can't let Aquaman go any further. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember that being being quite quite funny. But uh, yeah, it's uh, again, it's not one I've really got much in t- attention to see in Aqua Aquaman. To be honest, tell you what, I did enjoy when it was going before it got. Um, Cancelled or the end of it uh, was the Arrow series. Mm-hmm. I think that would call, I think that would make a good film. If surprised they haven't um, looked at doing a Green Arrow film. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe he was one of those characters that didn't have that much interest in. Maybe which is why he got the TV show in the first place. And mm-hmm. I think then the success of that in the first couple of seasons is what then spawned all these other shows that they now have. Uh, I think Stephen Amell was eventually getting to the point where like, he think he'd done as much as he could with that show and he wanted to do other things and now he's got Heels uh, which is apparently is doing very well and is getting a second series as well. Uh, talking about, like, going back to movies, like I said, a lot of these are displayed for like, 2022 and 2022 is going to be very busy in terms of comic book movies but uh, I know we do talk a lot about the stuff that's owned by Disney on this show and one of them mostly Marvel and that and I did have I found some Marvel news here well, in terms of films where a lot of their movies for 2022 and some of their 2023 ones have actually all been moved in terms of release dates. So obviously Eternals and uh, Spider-Man No Way Home are going to round out the year. They're still on their regular dates, but uh, Doctor Strange has been moved from uh, March, where it was originally made to come out, till, to now being released on May 5th, 2022. And I believe that was maybe where... Uh, Thor was coming out somewhere around there, so that's now been moved to July 8th, which which was originally meant for Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever, which has now been moved to the 11th of November. Uh, the Marvels, which is maybe the Captain Marvel sequel, has been moved to February 17th, 2023. And Ant-Man 3 Quantumania has been moved to July uh, 28th, 2023. Uh, there's no announcement about the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, the third one, I think that's may come out sometime in 2023 because the holiday special that they're also going to do is coming out December 2023, or least they're planning on that. So maybe they'll lose it later 2023 to help tie both of those together. Uh, so yeah, some weird change. I can't... For, I don't, this is confirmed by Disney themselves, but I couldn't find the reason for all these movies suddenly being moved for whatever reason. I know they've got a busy schedule and everything. Uh, I know we've got obviously, because of the TV shows, uh, What If's wrapped up and Hawkeye's uh, going to be going towards the end of the year. Originally, they wanted their show, that Miss Marvel show, which is meant to I think, tie into the Marvel's film, the Captain Marvel sequel. Uh, that was meant to come out in 2021, but then I got heard a report it was moved to 
20, mid 2022 to tie into that film better. But now that movie's been moved to early 2023, so I've no idea what the hell's going on with Marvel. They're suddenly just changing their whole schedule for some reason. Do you think it's anything to do with these lawsuits? So they're pushing things back to make sure they get um, better box office or something? Or uh, there's been holds up in some of the scheduling and post-production or something of some of the films, maybe? Maybe. I don't really know, know what it is. I mean, I doubt it's, it's anything to do with everything, everything going on at DC because uh, Marvel's really been know holding their own in terms of the marvel in terms of the, the movie side over deep well over dc for quite a long time so i don't think that would play into it so maybe they're just trying to you know push some of the films back maybe one or two of them need a bit longer uh, in terms of post-production and then that's mean that we've had to move one back which means that taking a place of somebody else's movie which means that needs to be pushed back so i imagine it's just one or two that need to push back but then that's like mm. a domino effect which is meant to be going back at least one release date yeah, no, that makes sense. I didn't think of that. It could just be one or two that, yeah, they need to. And as you say, it's meant they've had to push everything back a bit. But I'd rather them do that than, you know, rush, rush films out that aren't quite finished or, you know, a bit of ropey special effects because they've had to rush it or something. So it's always better that they, yeah. they, they do that. Uh, Doctor Strange was maybe the, the first film of 2022 for the MCU if that's been moved from March to May and Spider-Man comes out in December that means you know that five months that's going to be I think the longest we've went in a long time without anything Marvel related in cinemas <laughs> that's true but maybe people will be wanting them more when uh, when they finally hit so yeah cool uh, a lot to look forward to a lot to look forward to uh, indeed Speaking of Falker, they announced that that's having two episodes in its premiere date instead of just the one because they don't want the final episode to clash with Booker Boba Fett, which I think is a smart decision. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about the news everything enough. Let's get into the actual episode. I'll break down the three episodes uh, that we are here to talk about with the main points, and then we will uh, give our thoughts on them in a bit more depth. Uh, we have episode six to start us off with, Decommissioned, where uh, we open with the the batch alongside Omega and Sid's kind of bar or you know, Kent, you know, wherever you'd, you'd call it our establishment, where they, they're teaching Omega to use that new bow that she picked up when they were on their last mission, uh, while these patrons take bets on whether or not she can hit the target or not, and you know, it's like, oh, I hit it, yeah, three times out of eleven and they're trying to teach her, you know, patience and, you know, how to, like, fend for herself. Uh, Sid comes along to give them a job to go to Corellia yeah, an old factory to pick up a tactical droid for them, for her, and basically she makes the decision for them that basically you guys work for me now, uh, and so Hunter and the rest just kind of go along with it. Uh, they go to the the factory where the all these old battle droids are being destroyed now that you know the Empire doesn't really need them. They've got the clones and they're recruiting soldiers across the universe, and uh, they want the tactical droid because you know people want to use the secrets uh, that the tactical droids used to have. So that also they can use them against the Empire. And so everything seems to be going like pretty well. You've got Wrecker as the lookout. Omega's kind of being kept on her own. And then the others go look for the droid head. And then they run into Rafa and Trace Mar- Martez, who people may remember they appeared in the final season of The Clone Wars. They had a three or four episode arc with Ahsoka after Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, who basically they're after the, the head of the, the tactical droid as well. They, but we don't know who they're getting it for yet. And so they kind of were working against each other at first, but then they obviously caused too much attention and the uh, the guards noticed them. They called them police droids. The whole thing gets shut down. So then they have to work together in order to all get alive. Uh, we notice Wrecker takes a bump on the head while he's trying to help, and then you hear him whispering, good soldiers follow orders. So it's an issue clearly with Wrecker's chip. He doesn't let anybody else know about Uh uh, Trace and Omega are fighting over trying to get the, the head of the, the droid but then Omega in the process gets her leg trapped and nearly killed and so the others have to actually come work together to save her and they use the droid Ed, along with Echo to reprogram it to then access the, all the old droids and turn them against the, the police droids in order to get them out of there and the guys joke I never thought they'd see the day where we'd be working with the droids uh, and so they all get to safety Rick, uh, Omega finally knows how to use their, their bow 
they talk about what they were going to use it for. You know, the, the girls seem like, you know, confused why the clones aren't fighting with the Empire or why they would go and get a droid when they don't know, like, who they're delivering the information out to. Whereas they say that the information they were going to use that and their person they were getting it for was going to use it to, you know, take down the Empire. And so Hunter gets a stick that they managed to copy the information onto from the droid and gives it to them because he said, you guys will use it for the right reasons. And the clo- episode closes with the uh, Rafa, you know, getting on a hologram message to somebody telling them about a group of decommissioned clones and she knows who, if, where to find them. And Natalie's just going, oh, who's this she's talking to? And we don't need to wait long to find out as we go into episode seven, uh, Battle Scars, which opens up uh, with the guys, you know, finishing their most recent job, uh, them getting fired on by a group that they stole uh, a lizard back from. And he goes, well, technically they stole it first. Well, they don't see it that way, and they're being fired on. They eventually manage to get away. Uh, they return the lizard to Sid, and they get paid, but not enough, because, uh, you know, they're apparently in debt to Sid because, you know, she's charging them for fuel for rations, and uh, apparently Omega and Wrecker have been going out to get some special mix after every mission and charging it on a tab to Sid. So now they owe her money, so now they need a big job in order to pay her back. And she also gives out to them for not returning the uh, the information from the tactical droid. And then we find out this hooded figure was actually Captain Rex uh, from the Clone Wars, who uh, talks about how he got away and everything, and so the Empire thinks he's dead. And then he finds out that the guy still had their chips, which makes him a bit worried. And so he, he warns them, like, you guys need to get those removed. And so he takes them to Bracca, where they go to uh, what they call basically a starship graveyard, where all these crash you know, starships... And uh, they want to use the medical bay on one of the ships to remove the chips while trying to lay low from the, the Scrappers Guild. Uh, they go through, there's at one point a creature tries to get kind of drag Wrecker underneath, but then the group managed to save him. Uh, he's up first to get his chip because he's got having his headaches, so they want to get him first. But then the chip kind of gets activated and he tries to kill the others for violating Order 66. He also, also nearly kills Omega, but he managed, she managed to distract him long enough for the others to stun him. And he eventually apologized to her after he's uh, got it removed. Rex uh, implies that he's still helping fight against the Empire, but he doesn't talk about who he's working with. And he basically offers the badge, you know, anytime you guys might get back in the fight, you know, let me know. And uh, the episode closes with uh, Hunter being watched by the Scrappers Guild who report him to the Empire, which is how we open episode 8, Reunion, as Crosshair has got the information about where the Bad Batch are. And he tells Admiral Rampart and Nalasu on Camino about what happened and Nelson tries to implore them to bring them back alive and Rampart disagrees he wants them killed uh, and there's a point where Nelson and uh, one of his advisors basically says this is making a threat to our contingency supply and we're going to need to bring in some help you know, as long as one of the bounty hunters brings back the young clone which basically tells us that yeah it was them that sent Phoenix Shan to take Omega uh, Echo and Wrecker realise they're being watched by scavengers and uh, they managed to take them out uh, but they don't know that the Empire's already coming for them. They're trying to you know, find stuff on the ship to, to you know, sell and find its valuable like, with the weapons or information from the, the hard drive so they can settle their debt with Sid. Which does cause some issues between Echo and Hunter about what they, sh- what they both think these groups should be doing. Uh, but then eventually the great group of clones you know, led by Crosshair come to take them out and basically every time they try and make a move they think we'll get the best of them. Crosshair is always there because he knows them too well. But they managed to take out one of the floors on the ship by setting off one of the cannons, uh, which manages to get them away for a while. But then they get trapped in one of the engines, and Crosshair tries to get one of the clones to fire up the engine. But the the guy, the bad batch in Omega, manages to set off charges that kind of separates them from the engines, but then turns the engine on Crosshair and he gets badly burned in the, the face. Uh, Hunter and Omega get separated from the other members of the batch, and they all say they're going to meet back at the ship. And originally, in the previous scene, we saw that there were a group of clones posted there by Crosshair to you know, search the ship. But when we when we see the ship again, the uh, all the clones have been killed, and they were killed by Cad Bane, another character from the Clone Wars, who uh, was a bounty hunter who's now been set to get Omega. And he says, "I've been killing clones for a long time," and he manages to take out Hunter and kidnap Omega. And the episode ends with the Bad Batch managing to get a wounded Hunter onto their ship as they make their escape. And basically, you know, now they think we need to now find Omega. So yeah, if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, a lot of a lot of callbacks and a lot of uh, appearances from Clone Wars characters in this show. Yeah, 
Um, it's quite cool that they bring characters back, even if it's ones I'm not a massive fan of. I can't say I was a huge fan of uh, Rafa and Trace, but uh, <laughs> they, they play their parts quite well here, and uh, it's still quite cool to see them see them back. I also like they give um, Wrecker a bit of a Achilles heel because he's he's clearly scared of heights mm-hmm. uh, by the looks of things. He he wanted nothing to do with. Uh, going across that uh, huge gap to get to that lever or whatever he had to pull, did he? He, he didn't like being up there at all. Yeah, like, cause they have him as look at it, he goes, oh, but why what? That was always Crosshair's job, like, well, Crosshair's not here, go on. And then, yeah, he has to jump across, and he's like, tell me, hurry up, and like, well, that's easy for you guys to say. <laughs> and then also, when they had to cram across the cable on the Starship, and I was like, he's the heaviest of them. So he's a bit uncomfortable. Like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling better now. You guys go on ahead without me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wasn't. Yeah, again, you could see his fear of heights came as he he wasn't keen to to cross at all. And uh, what do the Empire keep in their garbage disposal things? I mean, <laughs> where do these monsters come from? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe that was maybe maybe a a callback to like, mm. the garbage disposal scene from like the original movie. Uh, I'm not sure. I like that the Rex did get him make an appearance as well, because also they mentioned him in episode two. They they know he's out there somewhere, and we so you see in the Clone Wars finale he does make his escape, but the Empire thinks he's he's dead. It's interesting that he's somehow really working with Rafa and Trace in this like kind of early version of like rebellion, the rebellion against the Empire, and yet when you see uh, Rex and Rebels, he's seemingly like, you know on his own and kind of living. in with a bunch of couple of other clones, so I went, it'll be interesting if they ever fell in the how Rex went from, you know, trying to help, like, still fight against the Empire and then just being, like, basically wandering the, the deserts and everything. Yeah, it might have been a, an age thing or a disillusion thing, perhaps, but it's, it's another quite a good thing about this um, Bad Batch thing, is seeing the remnants of the uh, Rebel Alliance coming together and all, all the different people that sort of get involved in it, even people like Rafa and Trace who were, were pretty much out for themselves back when we saw them with um, Ahsoka and the, uh, the last season of the Clone Wars so, you know, even, even they're doing their bit to help out and yeah. uh, it was quite good the way they left that episode because you didn't know if they were talking to a a good guy or a bad guy. Really, you didn't see mm. you didn't see who it was. And yeah, obviously, as you say, it turns out to be Captain Rex. It's a nice character to to call back and and see again. And yeah, they um, in the end they give Rafa and Trace the uh, the information on the droid. Um, perhaps because they sort of suspect Sid doesn't really care who 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 has it as long as Sid gets the money. So quite a they're working for her, but they know she's quite a shady character as well. Yeah, because yeah, like doesn't seem to care who like what the clients want with the stuff that you get for like they get that lizard at the start of a uh, of episode seven. Is what does your client want with this? I don't know. Keep it as a pet, making this too. I don't really care. Uh, so she's very like. As long as like, she gets paid, you no know, Sid doesn't really have much time for anything or anybody. It seems like, uh, and also it makes sense also from what Rex has seen, also being on the ship with Ahsoka when Order sixty six went down, uh, and seeing what happened to his fellow clones. The idea of the other guys having the the chips in them and also the even there being a little bit of a chance that they could go off as record does do at the end of this episode, you can t- you can immediately see him reach for his weapon, and so you can understand why he would be a bit. You know, trepidatious about them still having the chips in their heads. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, it's also quite cool to see the sort of budding friendship between Wrecker and Omega. That like they, they like to go out and and get. I forgot what they called it now. Those yeah, basically man- space candy sort of stuff, wasn't it? It was called Mantel mix. Or that was it, and it was on. On their bell, because um, Sid sort of lists off the things that they 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 owe they owe her for. You know, you're a debt to me. You know, port costs such and such, and twenty cartons of Mantel mix. <laughs> and then it shows the uh, Wrecker and uh, Omega, and they talk about the tradition they have after every mission. So 
And then they said, oh, yeah, just put it on Seb's tab. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they clearly got no money. So, yeah, Rex like, uh, yeah, put it on Seb's tab. Yeah, I think I think also they don't know that Seb's now like, charging them for it. I like putting put that as like a debt against them because I think Omega and Rick are, you know, even though they mean well, they can be the more reckless members of the uh, of the group. So it makes sense that it's them that's kind of caused this tab to kind of go up. And, you know, it's interesting, like I mentioned before, and it kind of falls into this episode, the previous batch of episodes, you've got the bad batch kind of making their way through the galaxy and trying to find out where they, they stand. You know, you have Hunter saying in episode six, you know, you know maybe things were, things were easier when we were just soldiers. And now they're trying to figure out who they are now, and now they've kind of just decided they are working for Sid, and now like they're trying to get enough money so they can like lay low. But now they need to get more money because now they've found themselves in debt to Sid, which is why they're search they're, they're sticking around and searching the ship, which kind of led them to get trapped by Crosshair and and Cad Bane. So everything kind of flows into one. But you know, Rex, Rex does get the opportunity to do something more, and you can. You understand why Echo is the one to basically say to him, like, why aren't we there? Why aren't we still soldiers? Because Echo isn't technically a, like, a defective. He's one of the regs, but he just got, like, experimented on. Yeah, it, it is. He sort of funds as they've got their own sort of path, I think, which he means sort of uh, taking care of Omega and perhaps finding out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. With um, Omega and and other things, I also like the fact that the um, the fact they didn't sort of complete the mission for Sid wasn't forgotten about when in the next episode says after you bungled that operation. Yeah, so you need a big you know you get a job with a big payday like maybe that uh, that job with the tactical droid saucer they would have been paid a lot of money for it, but they weren't they weren't basically they weren't thinking about that they were thinking about where the information. As you said before, was going to go. Yeah, and I also like the reappearance of Cad Bane. He was I always thought he was quite a cool character, and uh, obviously a very dangerous character as well. So that's a it's a good cliffhanger to end it on. That uh, he's absconded with uh, Omega, and now the Bad Batch are going to have to find a way to get her back. Off quite a cunning um, individual because he always seems to survive and get away somehow, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. I think he came. He first appeared in like the second season of the uh, of the Clone Wars series, and he was always kind of capable of like holding his own, even against the Jedi. He often mm. came across uh, Obi Wan and, and Anakin, and uh, he was always uh, often able to kind of hold his own, even though he doesn't use the Force. So getting to see him again, like just appear at the end, because that's what I wasn't expecting. I didn't know how much of a tie into the Clone Wars that would kind of be. And then he's got his V assistant droid. I can't remember his name, but I know he's actually voiced by. Uh, He's be assisted his foot voice by uh, Seth Green. Ah, uh, yeah, I saw that. That Seth Green uh, voice days. He does quite a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Uh, on the quiet, on the low keys, the Seth Green. To be fair to him, mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I first came across him in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the days. He played a <laughs> character on that for a few seasons. Fair enough. Uh, Corey Burton is the name of the voice actor. Voices Bane. I think uh, he did a lot for the Clone Wars. I think he was the mm. Clone Wars voice for Count Dooku as well. That was the other main thing on that show. And uh, he did a good, decent job because I know Christopher Lee did it again in the Clone Wars film, but they got Burton in to do it in the, uh, in the Clone Wars TV show. And I, d- I know it sounds quite insane, but he did a good impression of Christopher Lee. It sounded very much close to I think, how Christopher Lee sounds when he did that. Yeah, you, you find like these voice actors who do a lot of um, work on cartoons, video games. They're pretty good impressionists as well. Um, yeah, they they can't. Not like someone like me can't do accents or or anything. Yeah, you know, a lot of these act, voice actors can do a lot of different acts, accents and um, different voices. They're yeah, you know, they're really talented. Also, the fact that it was it's very much pretty much confirmed to us by the conversation on Camino that it was it was the Camones that hired him and also hired uh, Fennec Shand uh, to get Omega and they talk about their quote contingency plan so clearly Omega is a lot more kind of important to them and the, the clones as uh, than we've been kind of led to believe so far. 
Yeah, it's um, clear they're obviously hoping that she's she's like a prototype, perhaps for a better soldier that they're hoping to to sell to the Empire. And maybe that's something to do with the fact that she was able to suddenly pick up that uh, bow and arrow thing uh, all of a sudden. Because in the beginning, she's still struggling to use it. And then all of a sudden, when the chips are down, she's using it fine. And I thought, mm, that's a bit, bit of a nitpick for me. But maybe maybe that has something to do with um, you know her, her genetics as a clone. You never know. Maybe. I, I do agree because like she gets her weapon kind of like separated from her during the fight in the the droid like factory, and then also nearly gets herself killed, uh, and then all of a sudden like yeah, she gets it back and is immediately able to, oh yeah, yeah I can tune out all distractions because that's what they tell her to do. Like you struggled at the beginning of the at the beginning of the episode when two guys in the bar were taking bets on whether or not you'd miss, and now all of a sudden there's all heavy gunfire, and now you've suddenly realised how to tune out distractions. Uh, I do mean, I do see yeah, it's a bit of a nitpick, but well, it's one of the it's one of the few times I've kind of like been annoyed by Omega. But other than that, I think she's a good part of the show. Yeah, and I like the fact that you know at first the the bad batch didn't really want her on board, but they've all become quite fond of her, especially um, Rack. Yeah, Rack is like a a big brother perhaps to her, and. Obviously, Hunter's more like a, a father figure to her. So it, yeah. it's quite cool how those relationships uh, developing over the course of the, the episode. It's not, it's more than just sort of standalone episodes. Everything's sort of uh, linked in, which, which is yeah. quite cool. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to be that. So uh, it's quite cool. Yeah, because you've got the relationship between them, because like you got them at the start episode seven where they're. You know, getting that stuff that they've put on Sib's tab, and then obviously she's trying to like, you know, kind of talk him down uh, when he's when he goes off because of the chip, and she, she's worried that she puts a gun on him, but she doesn't actually want to shoot him. You don't know if if he'd taken that longer, then maybe would she have had to have done it? And then, but uh, Vegas Hunter manages to stun him. And then when he gets his chip removed, he doesn't wake up right away, and she refuses to to leave his side until he wakes up. So you can see that relationship developing. Then there's a bit at the start of episode eight where he tells her he's learning, he's teaching her to disarm a, a thermal detonator, and then like he gives her like a ten second kind of right and go, and uh, she doesn't know how to do it, she doesn't know which wire to cut, and then she has to hide and turns out, oh no, it's just a smoke bomb. Like you think I'd let you practice with a real thermal explosive? Yeah, <laughs> but you never, you you'd, you'd never know if someone like Racket though. That's the trouble. <laughs> It's quite believable that he wants that to do, do it with a live one because he's he, he sort of portrayed as not being the most intelligent of the of the crew. But luckily, he has got a bit more sense. Yeah, I think you can tell how some of the other members of the group, you know, a few of them when uh, he chases after like one of the members of the scrapper girl, they got away, and uh, Omega says to to Tech and Hunter, "Oh yeah, uh, Rickers in pursuit. He says he's got under control." And Tech's immediate response is, that does not fill me with confidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, before I talk about episode 8, which I think is actually one of at least he's probably my favourite, even though these are like some strong episodes, uh, I do think episode 8 is where it probably kicks into a new gear. And kind of similar to episode 4, it is very much a very extended kind of action sequence, uh, which helps it. There's a bit in episode 6 when I talk about first, where it's a bit of a joke, which Kind of comes out of nowhere and feels a wee bit weird for the kind of the tone of this the episode, but uh, it's one of those kind of who's on second, what's on third kind of uh, little jokes where one of the Martez sisters basically says we need a distraction. Their sister said the exact same thing, also didn't hear her, and she goes, "Is there an echo in here?" And then Echo comes and goes, "Yes, what? <laughs> My name is Echo." It's one of the funny Abbott and Casello types of jokes that you would not expect to see in a bloody Star Wars show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was quite good, that was. And uh, yeah, it was good that the missions um, people banded together to sort of get through all the the robot police and, and get out of the, the situation. Um, but yeah, I thought all three were quite strong episodes and um, it's kind of looking. I thought perhaps in the story art that Crosshairs might fall back into the Bad Batch fold but I don't know, it's starting to look like he's gone past the point of no return Yeah, because they've 
they talked about the chips and everything, like, oh, it's not Crosshair's fault, it's the chip and everything. They still think he's he's redeemable. And then there's a moment where I think an episode eight tells you, like, he's he's not. And, like, when they're trying to, like, when they're surrounded, they're trying to, like, appeal to Crosshair. And, like, even Omega speaks up and says, oh, it's not you, it's the chip and everything. And this is a pause, and he just leans, turns to one of the and goes, aim for the girl. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and of course the way in the earlier episode that we've um, we talked about on our last podcast, where he sort of kills those rebels in cold blood as well, and even that other um, mercenary wouldn't do what he was told. So um, I think, yeah, I think his actions have perhaps taken him a bit too f- too far to be redeemed now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like episode eight, like it's kind of like a Jake and Mouse kind of thing where he's they kind of like trying, they're trying to hide from from Crosshair and get away, and he's there every turn. Like they try and like scramble their communications, and when the so he says, "Oh well, there's something wrong with the signal," and Crosshair immediately goes, "You're being jammed." They're still on board, and then like they tap tap the comms, and then you can hear where they're going. He says, "Okay, so we'll go this way," but Crosshair knows that they're listening, so basically it's a case of like. How do we like get away when Crosshair knows them so well? Yeah, that's quite clever, actually. The fact because you see, uh, it's a bit of a trope on um, films and programs where they they hack into the communications and they use that to to get away or slip by the enemy. But this time, the enemy knows exactly what they're going to do, so uh, he's he's one step ahead of them every time, and yeah. Uh, yeah. He, as you say, he got quite badly burnt at the end, so it'd be interesting to see what that does to his character going forward. The fact that he, he was uh, he was ne- you know he was nearly killed basically, and uh, it's quite badly uh, badly burnt. So maybe that uh, maybe he can start a club with uh, Darth Vader, the, the badly burnt <laughs> club. Yeah, because like they had, you seen the one shot where he gets in the shuttle, he's all bandaged up, he's got his kind of like oxygen mask mm. on his face and everything. He doesn't care about his injuries, he just wants to make sure that they that they track down the others and everything. Well, what if what if Anakin Skywalker died and Darth Vader's crosshairs all along? <laughs> yeah, that would be a hell of a twist. There, there's a they do a, a Star Wars version of what if. There you go. There's a, a crosshair with Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> also, when they go into the engine, like bit where they try like find new ways of getting avoiding the the empire. Uh, also, everything's new to Omega, so she's like, "I've never been inside an iron engine before." I think it was uh, Tech who goes, "It'd be weirder if you had." <laughs> yeah, that was definitely funny, actually. But I love the fact that because she's just been stuck on uh, the Komodo planet for so long, uh, even stuff that's dangerous or mundane is just all new and exciting to Omega. But it's quite it's quite cool to see that from her point of view. Yeah. It, it, it's a like, different, like I said before, different perspective for the, the bad batch. Uh, and then obviously the, the kind of their dark angel, you wonder like what's going to happen next, where they, is, like, are they going to get Omega kind of back? And because all the Cad Bane's got her, and if you know the Clone Wars, you know how capable he is. So obviously, you gotta figure out how they're gonna track him down and everything. And like, I think you can tell, even though the Empire are kind of obviously evil, but the the main antagonist of the seven show is actually Crosshair himself. So it was good to see Crosshair getting a featured role in this episode after like a couple of episodes of kind of not being featured. But now it seems like the Kim Owens aren't really the good guys. They're kind of like are starting to properly see their kind of ulterior motives as well. Yeah, um, I don't know if they're necessarily sort of empire bad, but they're definitely just they're definitely just out for themselves, aren't they? They're just worried about, as we saw in previous episodes, how much money they're going to lose if the empire starts recruiting rather than pay and pay for their clones. So yeah. I think the hope, as I said before, hoping to use Omega as a prototype for a new and improved super clone, perhaps, which hopefully we'll we'll find a bit more about what's going on with Omega and what she actually is uh towards the end of the series. Yeah. That's why part of the reason I loved like the episode eight so much is because like Progressair really is one of the main like antagonists for them and like the last couple of episodes before kind of did at the time feel a bit a bit episodic where you know they they do have like threats but it's not like 
your main ones like villains of the week. Like you got that slave owners on Ryloth. You got the guys. I can't remember the planet, uh, but you got the you got the obviously Phoenix Shan who appeared in one only appeared in one episode so far, and then you got them running into Rafa and Trace in the in the, uh, the the factory. So at the time, it felt like oh, what hijinks are the bad batch going to get into this week? Where but it's at this point, especially with episode seven and eight, where you start to properly see the story of the series unfolding with Crosshair and uh, the Camelons and everything. And also, I don't want to give too much away, but obviously, I love episode eight. I also really love episode nine. So, Carl, when we get to next week's episode, I can't wait to again get to talk about episode nine. Yeah, uh, the way episode eight um, ended and what you said, I'm really looking forward to uh, to watching that. Um, in the next couple of days, I dare say, before we uh, record our next batch of three episodes. But uh, yeah, it's um, so far it's been a really enjoyable series. Actually, a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, I think like this is where it's probably hitting its stride. Like you had a couple of like strong like glimpses of what the show could be in the early episodes, like the, the opener and like uh, with episode four. Uh, but there were a couple of quieter episodes, which a lot of people pointed out, and obviously some people can. Like being a lot more critical in episodes, there are not a lot happening, especially if shows happen like episodically, like weekly. You need to wait till the following week to watch it happen. You watch it like this, you can really see how all the episodes kind of blend together and like, form the story. So, they're watching them back, but I do think there was a couple of episodes where it was a bit quiet, but it's really, like I said before, it's reaching a new gear now. Yeah, definitely. And uh, sometimes you need those quieter episodes just to to set things up if you didn't have them the same people moaning about them would probably be moaning well how have they got to this point all of a sudden so yeah. uh it, it is good to, to sort of pace the series you know it's got an unusual was it 16 episodes which yeah. is a bizarre number so i think because uh sort of like a, a non-linear platform they're not on tv they can sort of just have as many episodes as they think they need to tell the story which should hopefully lead to sort of less filler yeah that's uh, that's one of my annoying things so plotting again when you know you're watching a series they always need to have to have 22 or 24 episodes in the states um you usually have to have about three or four filler episodes uh, at least that don't really you know you could really do a that but they've had to put them in there to to fill in their uh, 24 quota so on these sort of platforms they can just have as many episodes as they need to to tell the story they're telling yeah i think uh it's a thing of a good tv show when you can have an episode that should be a filler episode about how, how the show handles the filler episode in, in terms of where it fits into the overall show mm. like i think supernatural did that very well where supernatural would have obviously an overall arc for each season but like there would be episodes where they were just doing their hunts so they'd open the episode an episode where they'd be reacting to something big plot wise that happened uh, an episode or so ago and thinking well we're not we're actually getting anything done here here's a hunt let's go do it or somebody's been affected by something major plot wise in the overall season and an episode of thinking well we're going to go on this hunt try and take my mind off it but no they're too much they're too affected by it to focus on what they are doing so every episode of supernatural felt like it connected in a way uh not saying that they're both both like both shows are like this but you know it's just an example of how you can handle like episodic tv hmm. well sometimes that uh put in like a, a comedy episode in there which would always mm-hmm. be uh, a lot of fun i remember one uh season four where something happened to Dean and it became a game became like a scaredy cat or something didn't he yeah. which is quite a, a fun ep- quite a fun episode so yeah. even those sort of ones they do well where a lot of the series um when they try and do company ones I remember X-Files trying their hand at it and it it never really worked yeah there's also episode season three of Supernatural where Dean just kept dying like Groundhog Day style where he kept dying every day and Sam like kept open waking up every day and trying to stop him from dying. Yeah, yeah, was, I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> and then there was once or twice where like him trying to stop Dean dying, he accidentally kills him as well. So, yeah, but you know that's enough of it. Supernatural. Uh, in terms of the bad match, you know, also we're not rating really rating these episodes uh, because although we're doing them in bunches, but you know, in terms of obviously 
the top these three episodes, how would you kind of rank them in terms of how you preferred each one? Well, um, yeah, I think I preferred. Um, I'm trying to think now, which one did I prefer? I think I preferred them. Uh, I did like. I, I liked all three of them, but I think I think the middle one, seven, I think was my favourite overall. Yeah, I think some of these episodes, I think, because you forget how short kind of these are, because you know their animation and everything, and they do give them a, a decent enough line, which does leave you wanting a more special when it's a good episode. So that's always good. But uh, I think I'm, like I've already said before, episode eight is my uh, favorite of the these ones. Like obviously, it's set up the end, by the end of episode seven, but uh, I think I'm going to go with episode eight. But yeah, and I'd, I'd probably give them like a solid seven, seven and a half out of ten for the whole for the whole three. I think they're you know they're all you know strong, strong episodes, and I'm really intrigued to see where the series goes. Yeah, I think they're further, and I might push episode eight and it's only for maybe an eight, maybe even an eight and a half because of like the reveal of Cad Bane at the end. Just mm. touch for me, but you know that's just my opinion. So there you go with. Uh, or eight episodes in, eight, halfway there. Basically, I've realised there's sixteen episodes. So yeah, eight down. We're, and we're living so. on a, and we're living on a prayer. Sorry, <laughs> had to, had to get that in. Uh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. <laughs> but you know, well, we as we hear at the halfway point, Carl. You know, why don't you give the people your plugs and let you know what you're doing, other than you know talking about Catwoman and the Bad Batch. Yeah, well. I say I will plug it again just in case you missed it. Um, don't know why you would do, but yeah, I mainly um, do the Rogue Chronicles on Catwoman. Uh, we've been struggling to get together to record, so it could be our last, well, not our last one, but the last, the sort of last one for a while. Um, hopefully, we'll get, we'll do, we've got one planned with Scott to do one on uh, Scarecrow. So hopefully, we can get that sorted within the next few weeks. But yeah, make sure you're listening to to our Catwoman pod. There's also uh, managed to bring Reese back from the trenches and uh, at gunpoint forced him to do another pod with us. So. If you want to listen to three men talk absolute bollocks, uh, tune into that one. And of course, Venilot might be bringing back a sports pod I've done with Nathan. If I can uh, force him to to record with me at some point, if might be a lot of crying over Manchester United, depending on how the next few days go. But. Uh, yeah, that's about pretty much it for me. I don't, you know, pale in comparison to Scott's five hundred thousand podcasts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do hope to be back on Rogue Chronicles again. Uh, I think there's a lot you can do, but even with just like films for like Batman or whatever kind of comic characters, because like because I know you guys have got a, a quite a few episodes out of Doctor Who, so I think there's quite a few films, especially for Batman. And one of my favourites, I think, is Scarecrow, which is why I suggested. Doing Scarecrow, I don't, I don't think he'd be one you guys would have thought of. But if we can set that up, then uh, I'd be all about it. Uh, as far as here on Rogue Opinions, uh, Scott and Paul's Ram podcast is under Rogue Opinions feed. You can follow us uh, at SB Rambling on Twitter. Uh, we've got an episode going up tomorrow. Well, at time recording, it probably already out by now. Uh, where we we did our latest of Fraser, and we we're doing a rare two episode week where sometime this weekend you'll hear another podcast from us talking about our. Our predictions for Bound for Glory, the Impact Wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, here on Rogue Opinions, uh, me and Nathan have got some weird kind of film-related uh, podcast that we're doing, uh, doing this based on this Empire list that we found from 2008, uh, and, like the top 500 films. And we just uh, start randomly with number 500 on that list, which is Ocean's Eleven. So uh, when you hear me and Nathan talk about Ocean's Eleven, uh, that'll be coming out very soon. Rogue Retro Smackdown, uh, me and Sam are just arranging a date to record the post backlash episode of that pod. I mean, got an episode out uh, in the back catalog with a backlash review where it was me and Mr. Carl Pierce. And uh, I've got a very special insurrection watch along uh, plan, not with Sam because he refuses to do the UK previews, but I've got something planned with somebody who will do what I tell them. Uh, <laughs> I'd like it. Uh, so yeah, actually, I don't think as many as, as I usually have. Oh, actually, there's one more thing. Uh, this Saturday, or su- Sunday, I believe it is, 
uh, on East Sajuji Saturday night in the evening. Uh, Quiz Showdown 15 Clash of the Titans, where uh, my, I defend my Quiz Showdown Championship against uh, David Hockney in a 30-minute wrestling Iron Man match, or wrestling trivia Iron Man match, where part of the questions are on wrestling trivia, some of them are on ASSR itself, so, you know, as long-time members of ASSR, me and Dave should probably not fuck that up. Uh, you can see Dave try to be the plucky baby-faced and fail, and me just be the maniacal villain, as everybody at Rogue secretly knows I am. <laughs> exactly, and if and if you didn't think your life was complete without an insurrection, watch along or Rogue Opinions is a podcast for you. <laughs> I know we're, we've got something for everybody, even those people who who said, "Where, where? I need something to fill that insurrection." Two thousand watch along, <laughs> oh, in my heart. Uh, you talked about Reese, uh, you know, forcing me to come back. Uh, Forced them to come back, you know, for that, uh, or to, to talk some shit with you and Liam, you know. I may be able to, sort of, I may be slightly coaxing him out some point later this week to record a, a maybe, maybe a wee episode of No Rogues Bard. Hmm. Ah. Stay tuned for that. Definitely, that'll definitely be worth um, checking out. I really enjoyed the the Liam version. I've enjoyed all of them so far, apart from my own, because I couldn't listen to myself talk about myself. That would be weird. You don't have to enjoy it, Carl. You don't have to listen to it. You lived it. <laughs> oh, that's that's everything that I got. You know, it's a busy time here, Carl, at Rogan Pines Tower, especially for myself, but. You know what? I knew what I was getting into. I knew that podding wasn't easy. Oh, never will be. Bye, everybody. Bye.